Thank you for tuning in to Dying to be Perfect. I'm Danny. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, Dying to be Perfect is a mental health platform that seeks to shed the light on the importance of identifying mental health issues and seeking treatment for those issues. Dying to be perfect came about because of my personal issues that I was going through. And I'm looking to help others who are going through some personal issues of their own. I want everyone to know that it is okay to not be okay. This month, we are focusing on mental wellness, the mental health for our youth and young adults. There's so many out there who are silent, who are keeping their issues held in. They won't talk to anyone. And we need those youth and those young adults to know that it is okay to speak up, to say what is going on. Our mental health is so, so important, guys. And we need everyone, especially our youth, to know that we are losing so many people to suicide because they just think that it's something wrong to get treatment for mental health issues. So dying to be perfect wants to defy the stigma of mental health. So thanks for tuning in. I hope that you enjoy tonight's podcast and I hope that you continue to tune in for other episodes. I hope that if this is your first time, that you continue to just take part in everything that is going on with this platform, that you bring others in, that you go to the website, www.dyingtobeperfect.com, read the blog, um, tune in when I have my live broadcast, and also um, go to my Facebook page, Dying to be Perfect. So thanks again for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy tonight's episode. Dying to be perfect, we'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsors. Hello and welcome to Dying to be Perfect. This is Danny, and March is Youth and Young Adult Month, as you know. And with me is Rain Gray, author of Perfectly Different. 
And Rain, can you say hello to my listeners? So happy to be here today. Well, thank you so much, Rain. I do appreciate you joining us. And Rain, um, first, we're just going to um, find out a little bit about you. So tell my listeners who you are and tell us where you go to school and your age. Okay. My name is Rain. Um, I am 17 years old. I go to school. At Milford Mill Academy. Um, I'm a self published children's book author of the book Perfectly Different. And I'm from Baltimore. Okay, Rain. I thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to speak with you. And what is Perfectly Different about? Perfectly Different is about my journey with a skin condition called Vitiligo. Um, and all of the obstacles that I faced with having it as far as um, self-love and self-confidence problems and just how I overcame everything to learn um, that I am, in fact, perfectly different despite all of my differences. Okay. And what brought you to the point where you wanted to write the book? been a writer not not anything very serious um but one day me and my mother we were talking having a conversation about how far i came um as far as my vitiligo and it was kind of a joke but she was like you should you should write a book just so everybody should um could see what you've been through and learn from it maybe and i took it very seriously that night I went into my room and I just started typing things into my notes. And from there, it just became perfectly different. Okay. Okay. And, um, what, what, so when were you diagnosed with your condition? I was diagnosed with vitiligo at eight years old. Okay. And so, exactly what is the condition? So, vitiligo is a skin disease where um, your pigment cells will attack each other, essentially causing them, causing you to lose your melanin. Um, it can happen for all races. It's just more noticeable um, with African Americans. But yeah, basically your pigment cells start to um, fight each other and that your melanin starts to deteriorate. Um, it can go away in patches. Some people have it more than others. And um, it usually progresses over time. Okay. And so when you started um, developing the condition, you were, that's, when you were eight? Yes, that's when I first started to notice um, little spots of discoloration on my face. Okay. Okay. And so um, you began to feel like you were different from everyone else? Um, initially, I was going to 
a private school, um, and I grew up with pretty much all the same people. So they knew me for who I was. And when I started to, when the Villago started to show, um, nobody ever pointed it out or made me feel like I was different. Um, so I never really, it was never really a problem for me. I just felt like the same ring. Um, my insecurities, they didn't come about until I had to transfer. So I was very um, scared about the thought of having to introduce myself to new people. What are these people going to think of me? They're just going to see um, a weird-looking face and judge me or bully me or tease me. So that's when I started to um, feel very insecure and just not have that much confidence in in my looks, really. Okay. Okay. And so did you... Did you ever share your feelings with your mom, your dad? Yes, eventually. So when I was told I had to transfer schools, um, I confided in my mom. And I remember sharing my doubts with her. I can remember a moment when I want to say it was like two days before I was going to my new school. And... I was packing up my book bag. Um, my brother noticed that I had some candy in there. So he was like, yeah, you have a lot of candy in there. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to need it for when I'm sad after all these people bullied. So um, those are like some of the ways that I would express how I felt and mostly to my mother. So I would just, I would just show that I'm worried. Um, just, just really scared. I didn't really, at the time, because I was a little bit younger, I didn't really know how to explain my emotions very well, but it was just a fear. Okay. And so were you bullied? I was never bullied um, in person. I had a cyberbullying incident over Instagram. Um, I would say... A couple months after I started going to my new public school, my public middle school, um, I received a direct message on Instagram, and they were talking about me and one of my friends at the time. Um, she was a little bit on the bigger side, and so they made a remark about her weight, and um, I, I can't remember the exact words, but a remark about how my face looked, I believe comparing it to an animal. So it was like a back and forth and they would constantly text me, constantly text me. Um, and there was one day where I just got sick and tired of it. Um, I was sitting on my mother's bed and I just started crying. Um, at first I wasn't going to tell her, but I started crying and she actually was wrong. So I showed her the messages um, and then she began to text the person and eventually they got scared and stopped texting me. But still to this day, I've never figured out who who was behind the screen. Um, other than that incident, I never had any direct bullying. Um, of course, people like, I remember my first day of school, I walked in and like uh, people started laughing. But no one would ever come up to me and pick on me, really. And and how did that make you feel? 
Um, it made me feel really sad. It made me, especially with the, the cyberbullying incident, because um, I was starting to feel like I was being accepted. And then out of the blue, this, this person is texting me, um, criticizing me. So it was, it was pretty heartbreaking, um, kind of like my fears were coming true. Okay. And so at what point did you begin to go to therapy or did you ever go to therapy? Um, therapy was not until, um, I want to say after the book was even published and I believe I started going to therapy in 2019. Um, not solely based off of the whole vitiligo, because by then I had accepted it and I was and, and I was happy with myself. Um, but more like problems that were coming up, um, I started to feel very anxious. At the time, I didn't know what anxiety was, um, but after therapy, that's when I figured out that's what I was suffering from, um, as well as depression, but it was after the publishing of the book. Okay, and so what was causing your depression and anxiety? Did you ever, did, did you ever find that out? Um, I'm still kind of breaking it down and processing it um, in therapy now. But at the time, it was when I first started, it was struggles just with um, high school in general. The, that's when I had started the ninth grade. Um, I, coming from eighth grade to ninth grade, was a whole different world. So when you leave middle school, go to high school, it's a whole different world. Um, <clears throat> middle school, straight A's, great student. When I went to ninth grade, I got very distracted um, with the wrong people, boys, things like that. Um, and it led me to do things that were so out of my character, like, um, skipping school or just cutting class for no reason um different stuff like that and it and it kind of messes me morally um feeling i guess after i came clean to my parents about everything that was happening they saw i had bad grades um stuff like that morally it was um taking a toll on me and <clears throat> that was really what sparked everything else. So uh, that's what made the depression come about and the anxiety come about. And it's starting to reveal other unresolved trauma as well. Okay. Okay. And so do you feel like the therapy is helping uh, yes, I definitely feel like therapy is helping because from from my experience, um, holding on to traumas, for example, um, my parents getting divorced or 
before the divorce, them constantly arguing, how that took a toll on me. Um, I'm not sure if you know what parentification is, but that's another trauma that I just found out I was dealing with. Well, um, I didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. Parentification? No. What is that? So, um, parentification is when a child takes on the the emotional role of a parent. So, say for instance, in my case, it could be parents arguing and um, you're, you're the mediator. You're trying to make everybody feel better. Um, tending to your parents' emotions when they should really be doing the opposite. Okay. So, um, I say all this to say, uh, trauma, I mean, I'm sorry, therapy helps you to figure all this stuff out so you won't carry it into your adulthood and then pass it on to generation, to generation, to generation. Right. Um, I, I think that it would be a great thing for, for just everybody to do. It, it helps you sort out everything, get your thoughts together. Right. Um, and it's just great to have. Sometimes you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to, but it's something to look forward to. Uh, you got therapy every week. You can you can confide in someone and they'll, they'll help you. So I think it's, it's pretty good. Okay. All right. That's, that's, that's some great, great information that's great information um so how how did you deal with the pandemic and being virtual um the pandemic i, I would say it had its pros definitely and it had its cons as well um some of the pros being uh, the classes became much easier, uh, so that was that didn't take such a toll. Um, I know sometimes in high school the workload can be very very heavy, um, so that was one of the the pros. But a con would be um, my social life in general. Uh, before the pandemic, I had social anxiety. Um, but I would definitely say it got worse because for almost a year and a half, maybe more, I wasn't able to go to school every day and interact with people how I was used to. Um, so it led to me, um, it led me to stop communicating with people and lose a lot of bonds, I would say. And now it's just really hard, um, in social environments to like get up and talk to people or, or make new friends. Um, so I would say that's definitely one of the cons of the pandemic. Wow. So, so your social anxiety, is that from your um, condition, do you think? Yes, I, I think that definitely um, contributes to it, and that's probably when it when it started, um, when I had to transfer schools, just because being in 
um, in public areas with a lot of people. Uh, with vitiligo, at first when I was diagnosed, a lot of people didn't know what it was. I didn't even know what it was. Um, so people would stare, people would point, people would whisper, and that that definitely made me anxious and nervous to even um, go outside because people would see my face, people would see my hands, my body, stuff like that. Okay. So... Dying to be perfect. We'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsors. Does your mom and dad go to therapy with you? My mom and dad have not. Well, I take that back. My mother, she has been to therapy, I believe, once. Um, But it was one of my opening sessions. Okay. Okay. My dad has never. Okay. So, how did she feel when it came out that some of your depression came from the divorce? Um... So, just recently in my unpacking the whole um, divorce thing, so it was very recent when she found out, and when we talked about it, first thing she did was apologize, Um, and I could tell that she she definitely felt really bad, Um, and we just talked about how in a lot of situations that parents they cause their children uh, emotional distress or emotional trauma it's definitely not on purpose Uh but it happens Um, and yeah she she was pretty much just very like uh, only word I can think of is remorseful but just very apologetic and like sorry um, because even her being an adult she's still working through her trauma and um, figuring out things that she did wrong in the past as well right well and and you know that's a good thing because a lot of parents don't take accountability for the part that they play right. so that that's great and um that's why this platform is so important to me because you hit the nail on the head when you said that therapy is important because it breaks the cycle. If we, when we go to therapy and we tap into what happened to us, then it gives us a chance to prevent us from doing the same thing to our children. Right. So with you knowing what was done to you or you releasing all of your hurt now, 
you have a chance to not carry that into your relationship and and not do that to your spouse or your children or whatever and and you can recognize that i don't want this in my relationship this is what i saw for my mom and with my mom and dad and i don't want that so you move on to the next thing but a lot of what a lot of people do is when they don't go to therapy they end up doing the same thing that they came from because that's all they knew and they thought they think that it's normal so that that is you you said a mouthful when you made that statement and and where some people are so dead set against talking about it because oh i don't want to tell my business i don't want people in my business it's not about people being in your business it's about releasing all of that pent up hurt and and stress and frustration and and just trying to help somebody else so we can just be better people overall and and just you know oh my goodness i am i'm just like really really proud of you i'm really proud of you and i feel i feel so when when you said when you said what you said about you taking on the role the emotional baggage of your parent now i kind of feel for my kids because i was already saying how i i felt like noah was taking on my emotions and what i was going through by seeing me like because like when i had my panic attacks and things like that like if i blacked out or something a lot of times he would find me like i can't imagine like that had to have been stressful for him mm-hmm. and i think i mean personally because i do it all the time we just a lot of children they just feel obligated i mean you, you see a parent sad or in distress and, and your first instinct is to make them feel better or just to to care for them mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but, and at your age, you're supposed to be living your teenage years. And so then you, you end up resenting, not your mom, but you probably end up resenting your dad because you feel like he's the one that put you in this situation. But on the other hand, like if like Noah, so Noah probably resents my husband because he and I are so close, Noah and I are so close, but my daughter resents me because her and her dad are close. So she probably blames me for whatever, not knowing 
the ins and outs of the relationship. But that's just because, yeah. So I, I get it. I get it. So do you do you talk to your friends about your feelings or you only talk to your mom and your therapist? Um, I, I would say pretty much I, I talk to my therapist mostly. Okay. Um, I'll say my, my therapist and my journal know, know the most of what, what bothers me and, and things that I'm going through. Um, I don't, I don't really tend to confide in a lot of other people just because you know sometimes you can feel like it's a burden right or Mm -hmm. um they could be going through something as well okay but yeah i I would say it's it's typically my therapist um I, i would go to my mom if i feel like i'm stuck or like i really I really need somebody to help me through it. That's when I go to my mom the most. Okay. Now, do you know anyone else in your age group who is suffering from depression or anything like that? Oh, my goodness. Um, That's what I was about to dip into. I think this whole age group, whole generation... It's just like a lot of us are going through a lot of the same things. Um, you see more and more people talking about how they're going through depression, um, battling suicidal thoughts and, and anxiety, especially um, more and more. And <clears throat> but they're not talking to their parents. Not really, because a lot of the, and I don't mean to sound harsh, but like we were talking about earlier, it's the the generational curses, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the black community. A lot of parents don't believe in in mental health at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So some parents, it's very hard to talk to, or they'll brush it off. Um, and say, oh, you don't have no problems. You're a teenager. Mm-hmm. You don't pay no bills. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of, I can name a lot, a lot of people that they don't confide in their parents just for that reason. Wow. And that's dangerous because mm-hmm. if they have those thoughts, it could be the icing on the cake that could push them over the edge. And that's what people don't understand. So many people think, not my child, not my child, not my child. And these kids are going off to college and they don't know what's going to happen when they get to college 
and they already have all of this other stuff on them. Their grades, their parents are putting so much pressure on them about their grades and things like that. And I, for one, I'm very, I'm always on my son about his grades, but I'm still, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm talking to him about everything good. What's on your mind? What happened in school today? You ever think about suicide? Because they think that it's a dirty word. It's an ugly word, but it's not a dirty word because it's real. And not talking about it is not going to stop somebody from doing it. If anything, it, it can suppress your feelings about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so. Rain, I thank you so much. Like, you don't know how much I appreciate you. I appreciate you. you so much just for being so candid because I have had a conversation with so many adults who just don't believe that it could be their child it could be them actually and they don't even realize it i never thought that it could be me so like, it's so important. I am proud of you for being able to even have the courage to go to your mom and tell her that you needed help or that you wanted to talk to someone. And I am proud that she cared enough to say, okay, because she knows that she can't handle it on her own she's not a therapist she's not a doctor and she loved you enough to say you know what we're gonna get you some help that's that's amazing that's amazing and you know I'm having, um, I'm focusing on the family in the month of April. And I would love to have the two of you as guests in the month of April to focus on the family. That, that would be great. I would really appreciate that. So hopefully you can talk to your mom and see if she will come and, 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 you know, the two of you can talk to me. Okay. Okay. I would definitely appreciate it. So, um, I'm going to get ready to let you go, but before I do, can you, um, just tell my listeners one like what what do you suggest if if their child were to come to them and tell them that they 
were depressed or they they needed help um because they they just hadn't been feeling well mentally or they noticed some changes their child was just like withdrawn or what what do you suggest um i think well first as a parent you have you are very influential let's just say that so the way that you react to things um it, it really means a lot so one of the things that you can one of the many things that you can do is just sometimes you just gotta listen and and believe what your child is saying um don't don't let it get to the point where they're begging and and it's all the way at the edge to listen to them number two would be to if you see any anything abnormal or, or warning signs like for me my room if, if my room is dirty 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 sometimes i get so unmotivated with the depression and anxiety sometimes i get so unmotivated so stressed I, I can't keep my room together it just gets very very dirty so instead of coming into the room seeing that your child's room is dirty and scolding them ew your, your room is a mess you need to clean this up throw this away throw that away you need to be clean by tomorrow ask them are they okay is everything okay are you are you feeling stressed things of that manner um because you never know you never know why I'm not lazy and I just don't want to clean up my brain. Right now, my brain is all over the place. I don't have the capacity to do it. Um, so in those situations, just like be observant, be sympathetic. Um, and yeah, I, I think the the big thing is just listen um, and just be there for them. A shoulder to cry on, um, somebody to talk to without judgment. And um, just, just don't cry either. Um, they'll, they'll come and confide in you when it's time. You don't have to force it out of them because that can make them close up even more. Those would be the top three things. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that, Rain, I thank you so much. I, I appreciate your time and um, I just want you to let us know how do we get your book? So at the moment <laughs> um, we're working on a restock for the book but you can still order it at perfectlydifferent.net um, I have an Instagram page which is perfectly um, dot different 2018 and if you never forget the website you can just easily search up perfectly different books and all of my stuff will come up right on google okay thank you so much rain and guys you are um you have tuned in to dying to be perfect with rain gray 
And I appreciate you for tuning in. And Rain, thank you again. And hopefully you and your mom will be on next month. Thank you for sharing your time with Dying to be Perfect. That's out of the mouth of babes, guys. Out of the mouth of babes. And you've heard it right here on Dying to be Perfect. Mental health is so important. Rain said it. We have to take care of our mental health. You have to listen to your kids. We have to defy the stigma. What I've been saying for almost a year now, it's so important. The kids won't talk to you because they think that they're going to judge you. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. She said kids in her age group, they're talking about how stressed they are, how anxious they are, how they're all going through the same things. They're talking about suicide. She said it. So, guys, I mean, we have to do something. We got to get it right. We got to get it right. So, who's next? Who's who's going to be the next youth or young adult member to reach out and speak to me? Who's Who's going to let me know? that they want to be my next guest on on this podcast. Let me know. Reach out to me. Come on. Just inbox me. Give me a call and let me know. I need to hear from you. Come on. Tell your son, your daughter, your niece, your nephew, your next door neighbor, Somebody let me know. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support. I appreciate you. This is so, so close to my heart. I love you guys. Have a great one. Just keep on liking, sharing, supporting and subscribing to Dying to be Perfect. I'm Danny. Good night.